What are the top trends in banking, payments, and security in 2010? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. And we're talking today with Jim Van Dyke, President of Javelin Strategy and Research, which has just conducted a new report on the top 10 trends in banking, payments, and security. Jim, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Tom, always a pleasure to catch up with you. So you've got the new report you've just issued. Can you give us a sense of what some of the headlines are in banking, payments, and security? Yeah, I'd be happy to. There's a number of them, and some of these, as far as the trends, won't be uh, wildly surprising, but what is uh, what is intended to be surprising is what bankers should do about it, because really the, the key word is unconventional, and bankers have to take an unconventional approach to extract profit from what will continue to be a, a very dicey 2010. So a couple of the areas that I'm referring to here is, first of all, regulation. We all know it's coming. We had a lot of advance notice about it coming, but it'll be natural for some people just to try to hunker down and think about how they comply. And really, a lot of regulation is coming from a, a very bloodied image, frankly. We just got the results back from a survey of over 3,000 consumers, very fresh data, and everybody knows that bankers dropped in, in the eyes of consumers in terms of the degree to which they're trusted. But some people might be surprised that our data showed that the degree of trust dropped by a, a 9 to 1 ratio. That is nine times as many people hold bankers in, in much less regard than they used to just a year ago. So that, that's a, a real problem, a real image problem, and bankers won't get the support they want from consumers. They need to be thinking about pragmatic value, what they can do to make consumers feel like you're getting real value. And the answer is not just avoiding fees, by the way. There's so much lazy money, misinvested funds, that people will spend more to get their finances back in order. I firmly believe that, and we've seen evidence in the past. Also, financial technologies and solutions are opening up to third-party development. We're, we're all familiar with the iPhone phenomena. You know, it's been going on for many years. But seeing PayPal and now American Express and Revolution Money announce openness to having plugins, if you will, to their solution has made us come to expect it. It may not be that long before a banker, I mean, a, a bank, could be Bank of America or Wells Fargo and somebody else says, we're going to essentially have you know, what technologists call APIs or standard plug-ins that allow third parties to provide consumer solutions to allow individuals, small businesses, payment users to tap into data that exists within secure sites and do interesting things with it and applications that sit off to the side. Also, you'll see uh, a need for bankers to do a better job of prioritizing where their technologies go. And I don't mean just saying you know, application of Project A is more important than B, but having a real structured way of doing that, taking market data, taking analysis of what the major trends are in regulation, in fraud risk, shifting consumer sentiment, new technologies, all that. Certainly going to see more P2P. There'll be steady growth there. Merchants will continue to call for more power, so more of the same in those areas. But there's a couple of old technologies, you know, old meaning mature, that they're still important, but we were excited about them maybe 10, sometimes 20 years ago, and they've kind of gotten rele relegated to the back, back office shop, and I think we're going to see more importance come back again on these. One is federated identity, so a word probably most people will stop talking about. It's an IT kind of a geek topic. Cloud computing will reinvigorate interest in federated ID. We're also going to see real-time systems, the, time, the systems that allow the customer's data, 
or the bank or payment card payment uh, providers uh, IT professional that uses that data to get information in real time well that's always been great internally but the question is who cares well as you get always on connections with mobile devices and more people are walking around with a with the ability to have an up-to-the-minute awareness and therefore take immediate action based on the status of their deposit accounts their card accounts or even investment accounts, now for the first time, real-time architectures, real-time core systems are going to start to have some relevance. We've never seen that before. Lastly, a few security trends. Uh, you're going to see things like more data breaches, especially in the healthcare area with the High Tech Act coming into the mainstream, and PCI compliance driving the cost of security higher, so again, prioritization is going to be important, more ATM and PIN threats, and um, social networking, while we'll continue to see more data exposure, we're not convinced that'll turn into fraud losses right away, but yet um, the, the degree of concern, rightfully, will cause people to have to buckle down how much information is used out there, and bankers and processors will have to be advising customers to be more careful. Jim, you talked about the difference in the, the level of confidence among customers in their banking institutions. What else do you see as some of the major differences between 2009 and 2010 regarding your top trends? I think we are beginning this year with the uh, um, starting to see this, this shift in empowerment. You know, we, we've been calling for it for years within Javelin, but we've never yet said that it's about to hit the mainstream. And I think this is the year in which our data of consumer uh, sentiment as well as uh, bank architectural shifts are showing that we're now ready to start having a more empowered financial customer, meaning customer meaning consumer, small, medium business, even a corporate customer. And by empowered, I mean people having that real-time awareness of what's going on in their finances and taking action. Really, the, the model for financial services, I would characterize it till now, has been paternalistic, meaning that you just trust somebody else to make decisions on behalf of you because you just can't get that information. So the big shift is, and it's going to be mostly precipitated by a different industry, which is the electronic music industry and the revolution they went through a couple of years ago. We're going to see the same thing hap start to happen in financial services in 2010. Well, you might be answering my question now, and that's which of these trends intrigues you the most? Yeah, it really is that. You, you guessed it, Tom. And it's, it's, it's the way that uh, you'll take, and it's going to sound a little bit geeky here, but you know, predictive analytics, which has always been this back-end technology used in, you know, credit decisioning by companies like Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, and others. It, it's, it's been great in the way that it's been used by them as a, as a way of deci making decisions on behalf of the customer, but it's never been used by the customer. And predictive analytics, of course, uses a bunch of data to predict what someone should do next. Well, it's always used by bankers to do something on behalf of their customer. And yet, again, in the, the music industry, it's used by the customer to say, this is how I want my music collection to work. And as simple of an application as that is, it's a really complex one when you think about how much diversity there is. So when we see predictive analytics become what I call interactive, so we have interactive predictive analytics with the customer controlling all these various choices that can, in terms of how their money is managed and used, then we'll start to see the nature of the relationship shift. It's already being used elsewhere. We'll start to see it here, used here in the very inklings toward the end of 2010. Now, Jim, I noticed a few minutes ago you snuck in the, the thought that we can expect more data breaches in 2010. 
Yeah, we certainly expect to see that. You know, part of what's what's going to happen is it's frankly just been regulated or, or incented in, in terms of stimulus money, I meant to say, in, because with the High Tech Act that, you know, went in last year, doctors got an incentive, medical providers got an incentive for putting more records online, and it's kind of interesting in that this law at the same time as Act gave uh, stiffer penalties for medical records that are breached. Well, what we're going to see is a lot more action here by uh, by attorneys, by privacy advocates and others, and there will be more outrage as medical records are breached more and more fines will be extracted from those providers. And these health care providers, they're not going to be ready to deal with this. Frankly, doctors are just not good at managing the operation side of their business. They never have been. I, I doubt we'll ever see them be that way. And financial services institutions are actually in good position from a corporate banking standpoint to offer added value services to help the healthcare industry, which will have a real spike in need in that area. And across the board, we'll see more data breach notifications. And I want to mention a data point here. You know, all this data comes from our, our, all our consumer data, our studies of banks and scorecard fashion, all that. But an interesting one relates to what a data breach means to consumer exposure to fraud. We had previously said there was no data showing that if your data was breached, you had an increased um, likelihood of becoming a fraud victim. And we recently had to change our position on that. We found that those people who had been notified notified of a data breach had a four times likelihood of becoming an actual fraud victim. So we can thank Mr. Gonzalez and friends for that. That's right. You talked about healthcare. What do you see shaping up as the biggest threats to banks, payments, and security? You know, it's uh, uh, the biggest threat is is just the, the mass exposure of data. You know, when I when I give blood at the Red Cross, they still prefer to go off the social security number. And these private records are, are out there. You could say the horse is out of the barn. You know, we still have people carrying checks around in their purses and wallets that, that, that have ceased writing checks. And people are giving out private information left and right. So breaches are, are just really the beginnings of the problem. And what we, uh, I think the biggest issue is there's so much private data around, it's impossible to lock it all down. And though we, yet we sometimes act and even legislate as though that's the solution, just lock down the data. It just can't happen. So what we need to start doing is allowing individuals to set parameters as well as receive notifications based on the use of their information, because what criminals will continue to do this next year on tough economic times is try to commit more and more crimes using someone else's identity, because frankly, that's a whole lot easier than embezzlement or just direct brute force attacks. So we will see more and more security threats, and we believe ID fraud will be going up, and security will rise even more as a perception issue that affects the customer relationship and stickiness. Jim, you talked up front about regulatory reform. Based on your trends, how do you see regulatory reform shaping up this year? You know, it's the way we see that shaping up is that uh, a lot of banks will be like like the proverbial deer in the headlights, where they just try to clamp down on everything they do and uh, and, and then look for other punitive fee opportunities, trying to get around the law. And the, the banks that succeed through this time and actually add more market share, we believe, will also be those that charge fees to customers, but they'll look to be uh, more proactive versus punitive fees. And the biggest trend in terms of how banks need to react to regulation is, again, to go from punitive to proactive 
because I'll say it again, the consumers don't mind paying more fees, and they've got the, the wasted funds to do it from. Uh, and I'll give an example. It'll sound slightly crass, but from here in the San Francisco Chronicle in our own Bay Area, but there's a column they run from a guy named, pardon the, pardon this phrase, but broke-ass Stewart, and he's about a guy that won't spend an extra nickel on anything. What bankers need to do is figure out how they, tr- how they can get broke-ass Stewart to pay more with a smile on his face because he says, you know, as a result of paying my banker a, a higher fee, I'm in a better financial position overall. One last question for you, Jim. In terms of emerging technologies and banking services, what do you see as, quote-unquote, the next big thing? You know, the next big thing we will see is uh, consumers, uh, like omnipresent, to use a word from religious circles, kind of awareness, uh, omniscient, omnipresent, kind of awareness and control of their financial services position. And the spearhead of this, it is mobile banking, which has had, had healthy adoption. Now, it, there are going to be some bumps in the road in how this rolls out. So we were surprised to see in our data that alerts adoption actually had a reduced growth rate last year, not an increased growth rate like we and everybody else were expecting to see. So bankers need to figure out ways to make, the, uh, uh, to make all this stuff easier to use. But I'll tell you this, the, the one fly in the ointment, the one solution that every banker should be working on right now is to take the controls for alerts and capabilities to turn off certain transactions by the customer and stop putting those into the control panels. But rather, when you give someone a communication message, allow them to change future notifications within the body of that message itself. And for those that are wondering what in the world I'm talking about, it's no different than when you get a song from your electronic music provider and you say, change the settings on this song, and the provider said, yeah, great, I'm glad you told me. I'll change everything you get in the future based on how you reacted to what I gave you just now. Jim, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you and hear your insight. Great. Thank you, Tom. Enjoyed being on with you today. been talking about the top ten trends in banking, payments, and security. We've been talking with Jim Van Dyke with Javelin Strategy and Research. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.